It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brunner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome into a Thursday edition of the final drive here on WNSP. I'm Corey LeBounty. Along with Michael Brauner behind the glass, taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And a lot has gone down within the last 24 hours of our show concluding. And when we went off the air yesterday, we were trying to figure out how would the Alabama Crimson Tide bounce back from all the distractions that had gone on with one Brandon Miller and the decision that was made by administration at the University of Alabama, along with the athletic director, not to suspend Brandon Miller. And he showed up last night at South Carolina And not only did he show up, folks, he showed out. And we talked about Brandon Miller yesterday being the number one player in the country, the SEC Freshman of the Year, possibly the AP Player of the Year. And Brandon Miller scores a career-high 41 points coming off of 78-76 win in overtime for the Alabama Crimson Tide over South Carolina. And every time Brandon Miller touched the ball, there was a tremendous boo by the crowds. And what I wanted to see, Michael, is how the Crimson Tide were going to respond mentally to all the distractions that went on with Nate Oates, comments that he made the day prior to them traveling to South Carolina, how Brandon Miller was going to handle the boo birds because you knew it was coming for him. How was he going to handle it? Well, I, I think he just took his solace. He took all the frustration out on the South Carolina Gamecocks and scored 41 points, 41 out of Alabama's 78 in overtime was one of the best Feats I've seen an Alabama basketball player ever have, especially under the circumstances. Yeah, it was unbelievable last night what Brandon Miller did on the court. 41 points, career high. I mean, you you said it. He was, he was unstoppable last night. He It was the best single performance of a uh, of a player this season probably in, in the country. I mean, we said it yesterday, surrounding everything uh, – even with everything, I mean, this is the best player in the country uh, for a reason. He's going to be the best, the first college player uh, selected in in the NBA draft for a reason, and, and he he showed why last night. Now, the rest of the team did not show up. Uh, it, it it was a really poor game against a team in South Carolina that I don't understand why they're as bad as they are. Really, 
I I know Gigi Jackson's been out a little bit. Man, Gigi Jackson, that's a heck of a player. He he couldn't miss last night. It seemed like every shot he took was uh was going in. South Carolina, I mean they got they got some talent on that team. I I, I don't understand why. Uh, hey, Michi Johnson too. I, I I don't understand why they've struggled so much this season. Well, South Carolina is ten and eighteen, and you felt with all the distractions that were going on with Nate Oates' comments and with whether to decide to play Brandon Miller or not, that decision went down because. We got word late yesterday that Brandon Miller had made the trip, and we didn't know whether he would be in street clothes or whether he would dress out. But he found a way to keep Alabama at a one-game lead ahead of the Texas A&M Aggies. And really, if to have the type of mentality that Brandon Miller had on the floor last night, you, you had to be locked in and zoned in. And that just goes to me, it really increased his draft stock to show that he can block out all the outside issues because at the end of the day, Brandon Miller had been not been found guilty of anything by the Tuscaloosa Police Department, had not violated any University of Alabama procedures and policies from an athletic standpoint. And that's one of the reasons that we did hear Alabama's athletic director, Greg Byrne, go on the ESPN podcast and say the following. How do you react? What is your response to that? That this is that there is preferential treatment given because of the season that's going on and because of the the level of ability of the player and players involved. Reese, I think that's a that's a fair narrative that people can immediately go to. Um, and what I have tried to think about this entire time is let's let's do what we think is right. Let's make sure we uh, are honest. Let's make sure that we cooperate, that we support uh, law enforcement and anybody else out there that needs to be supported through this. And, you know, you can you can control what you can control. I can't control uh, whether somebody immediately goes to that as their as their thought on this. What I felt is that Brandon needed to be treated fairly like any other student athlete what should be uh, that's here at the University of Alabama. And that's what's been driving us through that, whether it was whether it was him or whether it was a student athlete on any other team. Now, that is the comments of University of Alabama's athletic director, Greg Byrne, in regards to the decision to allow Brandon Miller to travel and play with the team last night. Now, does Alabama do they win that game last night if Brandon Miller does not dress? Absolutely not. They do not? Absolutely. I mean, Miller had 41 of the 78 points. He had more than half the points for the – I mean, this no one else showed up last night. Betty Ako was the only other player for the University of Alabama last night. Betty Ako wound up having 10 points and nine rebounds, almost a double-double. And to me, when you're seven foot one, you probably should average a double-double anyway. Um, and Betty Ako continues to get better. But with that being said, if Miller doesn't play, the Crimson Tide lose. And you're sitting here as of today tied with Texas A&M with only three games remaining on your schedule. Yeah, so with, with the Texas A&M thing, uh, obviously you can't lose that game to South Carolina. That's bad enough of a loss that it maybe drops you from the one seed line. Uh 
as for winning the SEC and against Texas A&M, I mean, of course you don't want to lose a game. You can't afford to drop one uh, in that you do go head-to-head. I mean, you got to beat Texas A&M head-to-head regardless uh, because as things currently stand, unless A&M loses a game, I believe they're at Mississippi State on Saturday, uh, that game, the last game of the regular season, is going to decide the SEC regular season title. So, you know, you lose to South Carolina last night. Yes, that's a terrible loss. Uh, Seeding-wise and all that, as far as the SEC standings go, not a whole lot changes. You're tied and, and still have a head-to-head matchup with them. Uh, but that wasn't a game you can lose last night. And the guard guard play has been bad, you know, really since the Tennessee game. Mark Sears has not been showing up. Quinterly, oh, man. I, I've had a love-hate thing going on with Javon Quinterly really for two years now and and it's to the point where he's almost actively detracting for the team when he's on the on the court thing things are bad with Javon Quinterly I'm really hoping he can get into a groove but yeah for for Brandon Miller to to show up the way he did last night under those circumstances uh, and we can get into whether or not you think he should be on the court Personally, I I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be on the court. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. It, it was a, a remarkable performance from Brandon it, Miller. Tupac said, "All eyes on me." Well, I I guarantee you this: there were people who were not even basketball fans that tuned in to watch that game last night, and it didn't end till almost after ten thirty because of the overtime status. But when you tuned in to see what was the latest update on Brandon Miller, how was he going to play? What was he going to do? Absolutely phenomenal performance, second to none. And we mentioned him playing 43 minutes, 43 minutes and 41 points and wind up having eight rebounds. And to me, the focus yesterday was more so on Nate Oates' comments than really Brandon Miller having a gun that was not his in his vehicle. And the Tuscaloosa Police Department have said Brandon Miller has been cooperative. Alabama Athletics has said Brandon Miller has been cooperative. Do you want to punish Brandon Miller because of that? Do you want to punish the rest of the Alabama Crimson Tide team because of that? Do you want to take in jeopardy for Alabama to win a regular season championship? The question is asked, should he have been suspended any games? Well, what would you have based that suspension on? Because... A user in the app says, before the game, I didn't think he should have played. But after finding out more information, I'm fine with him being out there. I'm fine with Brandon Miller playing yesterday as well. Because, again, I think the controversy was more so centered on Nate Oates making those insensitive comments or really being ill-informed and having to backtrack and make a second statement. That's what brought the light and even more light to the situation because we knew about the murder that had taken place. We knew that that was horrific and it never should have occurred. We knew that 
there were a couple involved. And when Tuscaloosa Police Department did their investigation, we knew that Brandon Miller was not necessarily involved with the murder, but his car was involved in this situation that occurred on campus. And I think that that's what administration took into, into play. And I know Nate Oates had a lot to say about it after the game as well in regards to Brandon Miller's mental toughness. I want to address yesterday's press conference and my response to the Brandon Miller question. I'm not here to make excuses, but I want to make it clear that I didn't have the details from the hearing that morning since I was coming straight from practice. And I used a poor choice of words, making it appear like I wasn't taking this tragic situation seriously, which we have throughout the course of it. I sincerely apologize for that. I know Greg shared some information earlier today on the situation. I don't really have anything more to add other than what he's already shared. Nothing more to add. And I think that if that would have been Nate Oates' comments coming out of practice, coming out of practice on Tuesday before he addressed the media, Nate Oates would not be on the type of scrutiny that he is now. And because of that, I respect the fact that he has been apologetic. He has acknowledged, as I said yesterday, Jamia Harris and her family at every press conference he's been in. And as a head coach, he's going to go to battle for his players. But. An apper says, maybe Oates said what he said to take the attention off Miller. I'm not sure that that was his reasoning. I just think he misspoke. And he, when he did say what he did at the press conference, he had to put in another statement trying to retract that. And I know that we'll be talking a lot more about Brandon Miller's historic 41 points, a career high as a freshman for the Alabama Crimson Tide when his name is all over the headlines, national news, sports news, you name it. Alabama men's basketball being ranked number two in the country has a lot to do with why Nate Oates' comments spread like wildfire. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey Labounty, along with Michael Bronner, taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And it was asked, and we would love to hear from you, do you think Brandon Miller should have dressed out and played for the Crimson Tide yesterday? Do you feel that once administration found out that he had anything to do with the horrific murder on January 15th, whether it was drive his car to the scene, that he should have been suspended for any games at all. Would love to hear your opinion on that at 251-694-1055. And 
as we were looking at Southeastern Conference basketball last night. Of course, all eyes were on the Alabama Crimson Tide, but when you start looking at where we are from a standing standpoint in the SEC with these last three games that are going on, Alabama, it was a must win for them to continue to keep their regular season SEC championship hopes alive. And Lamont Paris, the head coach of South Carolina, had a phenomenal game plan. And his game plan worked to a T with the exception of being able to slow down Brandon Miller because outside of Bediaco, the rest of the Alabama Crimson Tide were really ineffective when you start talking about shooting the three ball. Alabama did not do that well at all. Seven out of 27. And out of their seven made three-pointers, Miller makes six of them. So you have nobody else from beyond the arc who was able to step up and light you up like you've normally seen because we've seen Sears have a lot of success that he had a couple of nights ago. But when you start looking across the state at the Auburn Tigers, the Auburn Tigers win 78-74 to at Neville Arena. They defeat Ole Miss to stay alive. And Janai Broom, 19 points, 8 rebounds. And it doesn't get any easier for the Auburn Tigers because now they are having on Saturday to play at Rupp Arena against the Kentucky Wildcats at 3 o'clock. And then you look at the remaining games for the Auburn Tigers being against the Crimson Tide and against the Tennessee Volunteers. All teams that are right atop of the standings in the SEC, Auburn can gain ground on Kentucky and Tennessee. So with the Auburn Tigers being 19-9, and if you're able to find a way to win two out of the next three, I think that that is huge for the Auburn Tigers and Bruce Pearl. And I know we have a caller who wants to weigh in. Good afternoon, caller. Thanks for joining us here on the final drive. How you doing, my brother? Absolutely. Too blessed to be stressed, Al Whedon. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, man. First of all, congratulations on the new gig. You and Michael sounded real good, so uh, keep it going, my brother. But uh, just had to chime in, man. This, this whole situation, it's all about the optics. You know, Corey, you know as well as I do, if Brandon Miller wasn't Brandon Miller and he was the number 11th guy on the bench, we wouldn't even be having this conversation, man. So let me ask you this, Al. It is what it is. Do, Go ahead. If, if Brandon Miller is not Brandon Miller, do you think a lesser caliber player or a walk-on or somebody who really never sees the floor, maybe averages three to five minutes a game, if that, do you think that they would have been suspended for a couple of games or do you think they would have been dismissed even though uh, if you put them in the same shoes as Brandon Miller? Absolutely, they would have been set for a couple of games. I have no doubt about that. That's why I say it's all about the optics. Uh, I'm a Bama fan. You know it. I'm a Bama. At the end of the day, the wrong decisions were made. They should have sat him immediately until they found out what they're saying they knew now. Then it would have been easier to bring him back after sitting one or two games. But when you let the kid play, let the kid play, 
ain't let the kid play, you can't throw the baby out with the bath water. You gotta you gotta take the fade at that point. So, you know, and, and what O said Tuesday was absolutely wrong. He he needs to go sit in Nick Saban's office and get some uh, media instruction because the best thing he should have said was to have said nothing. <laughs> as he now is apologizing and has to walk it back. Uh, but, you know, you can't sit the kid last night. You're, you're too late to sit the kid now. Now you got to fix it. And, unfortunately, it's out there. And with it being out there, everyone's going to comment, just like I'm calling in and commenting about it. But the, the right thing that should have been done was to set him immediately and then when you find out you have the clear, then you can bring him back. You can you can get in front of the story better that way. But the optics look totally bad. And, of course, since the kid is totally good, you're not going to sit the kid. So you got to swallow your medicine, buddy. I tell you, it's a tough pill for Nate Oates to have to swallow at this point in time because it was a huge faux pas. It was a tremendous, yeah. a tremendous mistake. And I, I think that, you know, again, we all have made bad decisions in our lifetime. And some are brighter than others in regards to the light that is being shined on our mistakes. And because Brandon Miller is Brandon Miller, the the future first rounder lottery pick probably sec freshman of the year ap player of the year al i I do agree with you in regards to the fact that because it is brandon miller i still feel personally that as they found out the information it wouldn't have hurt to sit him for a couple of games now again you're right now at 14 and one in the sec and, you know, you sit them against a LSU or you sit them against a Georgia or going back to looking at their schedule back to when the incident happened back on January 15th. You still have an opportunity there. You played Vanderbilt. You played Missouri. You played Mississippi State. You probably you probably didn't want to sit them against Oklahoma. And then you played Vanderbilt, a team that you beat 44 to 101. So there were opportunities to still not lose any ground from a standing standpoint and still have the chance to be regular season SEC champions. That is true. And and, it, and if it was Brandon Miller, the number 11 guy on the bench, or, or Al Wheaton, the core LeBounty, who's not even on the bench, the conversation would have never happened because we we all would have been sat down, Corey, and we all would have been waiting for our name to be cleared to prove that, no, I didn't do anything. No, I didn't. But, unfortunately, we aren't Brandon Miller who's, you know, dropping dimes and, 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 and putting up 41 points last night. So, so, therefore, yes, there is favoritism. Yes, your better players are going to get – uh, if you want to call it a uh, a second chance, easier than the number like number eleven guy is. That's just the way it is. But unfortunately, you know, Bama's got to swallow that pill, buddy. Right now, they ain't looking good, but you know, they'll let the news cycle work through. In in terms of his status on the team, Al, it, it, it's hard for it's hard for me to disagree with you. I I, I don't think you've said a, a word of non truth there. But I, it, legally, I I would like to think that anyone would have gotten the same treatment considering that his dash cam footage was a key piece of the evidence. So I, I, I just ask at this point, like you said, they, they can't sit him because in Alabama's no. eyes, he hasn't done anything legally wrong. Right. You can't, you can't now. It would have been easier to sit him earlier 
for one or two games and then say after we reviewed the evidence and the, and the district attorney came out and said he's been cooperative and this, that, and other, you can bring him back easier. But but now it is what it is. It's out there. It's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a good look for Roll Tide Nation, but he's uh, just going to have to take the pay right now, brother. It'll clear out. It will. The the day, but I say at the end of the day, if it was me or you or Michael Brown or anyone else, Brother, we'd have been sat down immediately <laughs> from <laughs> well, work or wherever we were. Well, I'll tell you this, Al. It'll be it, – I don't know personally if I could have had the type of performance that Brandon Miller had with the amount of pressure that was on him, but he was able to block all of that out and have a historic night for a true freshman for the Crimson Tide and prove why he is the best college basketball player, not only in the SEC, but in the country as well, Al. And want to thank you for your support and tuning in and chiming in to this situation that's going on with Brandon Miller. And, again, we'd love to hear from you. 251-694-1055 is how you can get in and call us to talk about the situation that has occurred at the University of Alabama. And before our call, we were talking about the Auburn Tigers and what they have left for them. I still think, again, when you look at a 9-6 and six overall SEC record, 19-9, and nine, and looking at the games that the Auburn Tigers do have remaining, of course, you have Kentucky this Saturday, you have Alabama, and you have Tennessee. If you win two out of those three, I think that Auburn puts themselves in a situation to where they will be in the top three. They will get that double bye, which sometimes feel is so very important. But at the same time, we'll see if Bruce Pearl and the guys can continue to put it together. And coming up next here on the final drive, we'll continue to talk college basketball, but we'll do so from a junior college standpoint. We have Coastal Alabama North taking on Coastal Alabama South. And it's for all of the basketball marbles. We'll talk with Coastal Alabama North's head coach, Chuck Taylor, next here on The Final Drive on WNSP. This is Andrew Zow, Alabama former quarterback. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And again, we've been talking about the Daniel, excuse me, the Brandon Miller situation and the Alabama Crimson Tide finding a way to win in overtime, as well as Auburn coming away with a huge SEC victory over Ole Miss last night to stay alive. South Alabama, their men's basketball program, on fire, winning eight of their last nine big-time 76-67 to 67 winners at Texas State last night. And because of that win, they avoid the play-in round for the Sunbelt Conference tournament that's going to be held in Pensacola. But talking about winning basketball ways in South Alabama ways, 
Our next guest here on the final drive is head coach of Coastal Alabama North for the men's basketball program. It's a winner-take-all situation between Coastal Alabama North and Coastal Alabama South tonight as these two teams play one another. Coach Chuck Taylor, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us on the final drive. Good afternoon. I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to get on and, and talk about this exciting game we got coming up this evening. Coach, let's first and foremost talk about where the game is going to be played, and you guys are winner take all. You have a 21-7 and record. Coastal Alabama South has a 19-8 and record. And you guys in conference are doing quite well, but so is Coastal Alabama South. And the winner of tonight's game will win the regular season championship for the division. Absolutely. Well, let me let me start by saying this. We are one Coastal, so, you know, win or, win or lose, Coastal gets the prize. So that's, that's the ultimate prize for our president, our athletic director, and our community. Now, me being the selfish person that I am, I want to bring home the prize back here to Monroeville. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that, Coach. And this is your second year as the head men's basketball coach at Coastal Alabama North. And for those that don't know head coach Chuck Taylor, you were formerly an assistant coach on Ronnie Arrow's staff here at South Alabama. Talk to us about your time at South Alabama and how you got back to becoming the head coach at Coastal Alabama North. Oh, man, that was some of the greatest, greatest, you know, four or five years in my life, you know, uh, getting with coach here at the University of South, at South Alabama. We, uh, you know, we kind of planted roots here. And, uh, you know, so – you know, came here in 2006, I believe it was, 2007, something like that. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, had some stops in Texas, but, you know, kept my home here. And, uh, you know, my, my family and I, we kept our home here, and it just kind of really worked out. So, um, you know, ended up back here uh, and had an opportunity. You know, I needed a few years left to get my retirement. And uh, was just uh, working in student support services over here in Monroeville, and then our basketball coach leaves, and then you know it it, it all kind of exploded from there. Uh, shout out to Daniel Head, our athletic director, and Dr. Craig Pouncey, our president, and uh, Miss Kaylet, our campus director. Uh, they've been phenomenal. And uh, shout out to Robbie Robertson, man. He's done a hell of a job with his team. They're riding a ten-game winning streak right now, so. You know, guys, it's gonna be it's gonna be electric in here tonight. It's gonna be electric in here tonight. That game will be played in Monroe, Alabama, and normally it's a doubleheader with the women playing first and the men. What time do the women play, and what time do you guys tip off? The women play at five thirty. Uh, shout out to our women's coach Mandy Armstrong and 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 our Coastal South coach, uh, Hall of Fame coach Cedric Yildy. Uh, and then the men will play right after at 7.30. So uh, 5.30 for the women, 7.30 for the men tonight in Moreauville at the Cooper Center. 
that's going to be great basketball. Let's talk about some of the players that are on your roster, Coach. I think that that's what makes the difference. Again, your overall record, 21-7. and seven. Coastal Alabama South comes in with that 10-game winning streak being 19-8. and eight. And both of you guys have really dug in and got it done and represented the Coastal brand to, to a T. But who are some of the guys that really have made a difference and possibly will be recruited to play Division One basketball or will hear their names called at the next level? Uh, first and foremost, our, our, our point guard, Seth Jones, you know, uh, he's a combo guard, uh, freshman, you know, has, has, has a, have had a, a phenomenal year. And, uh, you know, he's done a, he's, he's led us in a lot of areas. He's shooting a high clip from the floor and from the three-point line. Uh, next would be uh, uh, Greg Kennedy, who's a Bethune-Cookman signee. He signed early, uh, doing a phenomenal job as well. Um, you know, and then, you know, we have a, we have a, a, a strong cast of characters. I mean, like, we're, we're similar to Coach, Coach Froggy's team. We, we go 10-11 deep. They go 10-11 deep. So, you know, you, you, can't, you can't say you stop this guy, you stop that guy. You beat them, you know. They 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 got a great bench. We have a great bench, uh, so you know uh, that's been our formula, is our depth. And I'm pretty sure, you know, you speak to Robbie, he'll talk about their depth as well. So, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun night. These are these are the games that I tell these I told our team, this is the this is the game that you that you you dream about your whole life. And and you know everybody don't have an opportunity to play in these games. You got an opportunity to play in these games, and you know you want to. Make sure that you leave everything on the court when, when, when that opportunity presents itself this evening. We're speaking with Coach Chuck Taylor. He's the head coach of Coastal Alabama North, and he spent some time as an assistant coach at South Alabama with Ronnie Arrow and that men's program there and has really done a phenomenal job just putting his blueprint here on this Coastal Alabama North program. And again, in your second year, let's talk about tonight. For all the marbles, you guys have an opportunity to have a regular season championship to put that banner on on the wall i know that when you walk in the jack robinson arena you've seen several championships that robbie's father has won as well as when you come into your gym just having an opportunity to put your mark on the program what that will mean to you to win a regular season divisional championship well i think it it means a lot for our program because what it does is it it, it sets a standard so you know uh you know just you come into our gym now you have you have the state flag and you have the American flag, so you know I tell our I, I, I tell our I preach to our guys constantly about you know hey, you want to be able to leave leave a legacy. Uh, uh, friends come and go, banners hang forever. You know that's what Kobe Bryant said. So you know he, I said one day you might be coming back through here to, to go vacation in Florida, and you want to tell your kids hey, let's stop through Monroeville. That's where I played you know college basketball, and you come in here. That 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 flag's hanging on the, that that banner's hanging on that on that wall, you know that gives you a sense of pride. That gives you a sense of uh, 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 of some things that you've done, and uh, it, you know it's something that you'll take with you forever. So uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a tremendous opportunity for for those guys, uh, and uh, we're we're looking forward to it. 
Coastal Alabama North taking on Coastal Alabama South tonight in Monroeville. It's an opportunity to win the Southern Division regular season championship in men's basketball. And, Coach, when you start looking at where the state tournament will be held, and mm-hmm. I know in Sunbelt Conference play, Richie Riley and his guys have been jockeying not to have to play into that play-in round game. Where is the state tournament and if you do win the southern division does that mean you get a buy or a double buy unfortunately it does not mean that we get a buy uh we have to win three games so if you know whether we we you know win lose or draw uh the the first place team second place team third place team fourth place because we go four on in the south division four in the north division so we would play if we're, we're the top seed we'll play number four in the south division I mean, excuse me, in the, yeah, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, North Division. So, and vice versa. Two will play three over there. Three three would play. In, in, um, so, it's just the opposite. So, our South, their North um, in the tournament. So, we'll play. Tournament play starts on March the 7th. It's at Alabama A&M at their new arena down there with uh, Coach Hughley, who I know that you're familiar with. Absolutely. Uh, from back in the day and his time over at uh, – the floor high school and the things that the great things he did over there. So we're gracious enough to have, you know, have an opportunity to go play in their gym. They just opened a brand new facility over there. So that's going to be really fun and exciting for, for, for our league, for our conference and, uh, you know, have an opportunity to do that. And uh, traditionally the North has been, you know, traditionally to my knowledge, the North has been, you know, strong, but I think, uh, you know, you know, coach Robbie, myself, uh, you know, have, have, have uh, really done a done a done a phenomenal job of up in our up in our ante and 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 getting the type of players we needed to have in here to be able to compete against those guys on on that side. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a, a fun night of basketball. But I think you know the conference tournament is gonna be very fun and it, it, it's wide open. You know, so uh, it's, it's, it starts on March the seventh in Huntsville, Alabama at Alabama A&M University. Well, Coach, we'll definitely try to get an update how you guys are going to be doing, and we'll definitely give everybody the score tomorrow for that Coastal Alabama North versus Coastal Alabama South interdivisional rivalry that's for it all. The winner will be the Southern Division champion and be a number one seed getting ready to enter the postseason tournament that will be held at Alabama A&M. But, Chuck, Mm -hmm. I I know that, you know, back in the day, of course, with me being the ball boy of South Alabama, you had a relative, John Jemerson, who played on that 1989 team that that (laughs) defeated the University of Alabama. And I, I know that, you know, your bloodline runs deep for your passion for basketball. And, and John Jemerson, that's a name that a lot of people forget about when you definitely yeah. remember Jeff Hodge and Junie Lewis. But exactly. people forget about the glue and what John Jemerson meant to that 1989 program as well. Absolutely. I, I never forget because I, I, I just remember 
I remember uh, cutting class that year so we could go home and watch the tournament. <laughs> now, I, don't, I don't recommend nobody cut class, but right. back 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 then, you know, that's what we did when the when the NCAA turned because it started during the day and we just kind of what we did. But yes, John was definitely the glue to that team and Junie and, and and they were the firepower. But you needed you needed that that spark and John was that spark, no doubt about it. Also, just want to mention to everybody. If you can't make it out to the game, our games are live stream on jockjives.com. Uh, so you have an, you can watch it online this evening. Both the men's and women's games are, are streamed on jockjive.com. Uh, so, you know, uh, there's another opportunity for you to watch our game this evening. If you can't make it to Monroeville, Alabama, go to jockjive.com and watch Coastal Alabama North take on Coastal Alabama South. There'll be a men and women's contest, and Coach mentioned it, Cedric Yeldon. He leads the Lady Sun Chiefs in his first year as head coach at Coastal Alabama South, and they'll be tipping off against Coastal Alabama. Alabama North at 5:30, followed by the men's game for all the marbles in first place to where a championship banner is going to be placed as a regular season champion. And hopefully one of these teams will go ahead and win the state championship as well and represent us in the JUCO national championship. But Chuck Taylor can't thank you enough for taking time out of your afternoon before you tip it up this evening and want to wish you the best, my brother. Hey, thank you as well, and and hopefully on my way home this evening, I don't hit another deer. Hit another, I hit a deer yesterday. So. Hey, hey, they are out, my brother. It's warm enough. They don't know whether they're coming or going, so definitely be careful. And if you tune in to jockjive.com, you don't even have to worry about doing that, but you'll be able to see the Coastal Alabama North and the Coastal Alabama South teams battle one another for first place in the Southern Division for men's basketball. You're listening to The Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Philip Rivers, football coach at St. Michael Catholic. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Welcome back to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Again, Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. Want to thank head coach Chuck Taylor from Coastal Alabama North Men's Basketball Program for joining us just moments ago. And it's that time of the year, February frenzy, March madness, conference tournament seedings. We talked about. South Alabama's basketball program continuing to be red hot, winning eight of nine and still in seventh place in the conference and have an opportunity to continue to move up that ladder and play Louisiana again on tomorrow. And we'll see how they wind up doing it. The South Alabama women's softball program off to a good start. And you start talking about them being six and four overall. And the baseball team, they're four and one. The big time win over Nichols last night, five to four. And South Alabama hosts Nebraska for a three game series that starts on tomorrow. So expect wonderful weather and nice crowds if you want to go out and support 
your South Alabama baseball program. The women's basketball team, they're going to be playing Troy, which is always a huge rival game. And you, you anytime you – even though the South Alabama women's basketball program is struggling this season – it's, it's a rival game, so you can throw the records out of the window and see exactly what happens as it will be senior night at the Mitchell Center for Terry Fowler and his Lady Jaguars as they take on the Troy Lady Trojans. So, Mike, we, we will go into our number two talking a little bit of Auburn baseball, and we'll talk to Lindsey Crosby here at the top of the next hour, but... Again, going back to the phenomenal Brandon Miller performance last night, second to none when you talk about the history of Alabama men's basketball performances. Yeah, I I, I don't know if there was a better individual performance in the history of Alabama men's basketball, so just un- unbelievable. It was special. It was special to watch, especially under the circumstances, and it would have been special even if Brandon Miller and Nate Oates would not have been under the spotlight like they were last night. A big-time win for the Crimson Tide in overtime to keep their regular season SEC championship aspirations still alive. You're listening to The Final Drive on WNSP with Corey Labounty and Michael Brauner. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Brunner. Do your job and play together. The final drive, live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to our number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey Labounty, along with Michael Brauner, taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us here on the final drive. But you can also chime in on the app as well as we welcome your opinions on Everything that's going on as far as with Brandon Miller and Alabama men's basketball and Nate Oates and Auburn really trying to turn the corner here with their final three games that they have remaining. And as we wind down basketball, we know that baseball is really starting to heat up and the Auburn Tigers are a program to where they thought that they were going to have a West Coast road trip this week. But our next guest, Lindsey Crosby, can bring us up today as to why the Auburn Tigers are no longer traveling out to the West Coast because Lindsey is a senior baseball writer for the Auburn Daily. Good afternoon, Lindsey. Hey, Corey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, man, I'm absolutely too blessed to be stressed, my friend. And I tell you, when you start talking about why Auburn is not going out to Southern California, 
Let, let's let's talk about why why they're not why they're going to be on the planes this week. Butch Thompson was talking about this today. They were texting back and forth about Monday or Tuesday, and he said that every baseball coach is a part-time weatherman. So they were kind of looking, trying to see what's going on with the weather. Right now in Los Angeles, there is hail. It is supposed to rain over an inch of rain on Friday. There is going to be winds uh, stronger than 20 miles an hour. It was a situation where, as of Tuesday morning, they didn't know if they'd be able to get any of the three games in this weekend. And so uh, they had touched base on Monday. Tuesday's when the preparations really started, and both administrations came to the decision the right thing to do for the athletes is to move the game from Los Angeles to Auburn so that both teams had a chance to play. Because at this short notice, there's almost no way to reschedule your game. And so USC said, we're going to go ahead. We'll pay for the travel to get our team out there. Auburn said, we'll make it up to you. And the game is now in Auburn this weekend. I think that's huge, the commitment to making sure, because so many times you see games just get canceled. And mm -hmm. whether that's a rain out and not to be made up later, especially when you're going from one coast to the other and having that opportunity, I think that that just speaks volumes of the two leaders and the administration of both schools putting the student athletes baseball interest at heart first. Yeah, and it's something where, you know, Southern California has a new coach, and so this is a scenario where they want a chance to play games. I mean, they, they, he has four games with his squad. They lost on Tuesday to UC Irvin. And so if you don't play this game, then he gets his team for four games, and then they sit down for a week. And he just wants a chance to see who he has. They have a lot of young, talented players on this team, and they want the test of coming to the SEC to play a top-tier team in Auburn. And it's going to be a great weekend. Uh, we may or may not get some celebrities. Saturday starter for uh, – for USC is the son of Andre Agassi and Steffi Gross. So not sure if they're coming or not this weekend, but it's going to be a fun weekend on the planes either way. Well, when you start talking about celebrity status, that's pretty impressive. Uh, the gene pool there and for baseball to be the choice. Let's talk about Auburn and how they did mm -hmm. in their opening series. And we mentioned and probably will continue to mention how teams in the SEC once – SEC play opens up, they're just going to beat up on one another. And seven out of the top 10 teams, again, preseason poll being ranked in the SEC. But how did Auburn fare in their first series? So Auburn went two and one against Indiana. And it's really kind of uh, the way that each game unfolded uh, is a scenario where you could see how this could be good or bad for Auburn. Uh, Saturday, phenomenal start from Joseph Gonzalez. He goes five innings. Uh, it doesn't allow any runs, barely allows a hit or two, and just looks completely just untouchable. But Friday night, Chase Alsup doesn't make it, like, only goes two innings, has an ERA right now of nine. And so, you know, then Sunday, true freshman starter Drew Nelson gets knocked out in the first. And so you can see there's things to like about Auburn's pitching, and then there's places where you need more work. And that's another reason why this coaching staff was so insistent on we got to get games in this weekend. So you went two and one, uh, you know, overall a good weekend. The offensive approach got better from Friday to Saturday. Uh, you did kind of get blown out on Sunday by Indiana on the last day of the series. But for the most part, your offense did enough to win. 
your pitching showed you you have some guys who you can count on early in the season, and you probably have another weekend this weekend of letting multiple guys play to figure out who is and who is not someone we can count on when that grind of an SEC schedule gets here in three weeks. Well, that SEC schedule sneaks up on you very fast, and you just want to find a way to be prepared. And with Southern Cal coming to town, I think that that is initially Auburn was going to get ready to make that trip, but you just mentioned that weather would not allow that. But with the pitching comes catching, and I know that Auburn has some local flavors. One of our appers here wanted to ask about the catching situation Mm -hmm. at Auburn. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, Nate LaRue, Mobile native, is the number one catcher on this team. He's actually a captain for the team. They call it the legacy group, but he was voted a captain by his teammates and is regarded as one of the best defensive catchers in the SEC. Uh, Absolutely has a massive arm. You remember back in high school, he pitched as well as caught. He was a pitcher for a while at Auburn as well. And so defensively, he is the guy. He started all three games over the weekend. Uh, offensively, he, he changed some things over the offseason, right? He worked on his stance. He found out he's right-eye dominant, so he's tried to open his stance up a lot more so he can see the plate. We haven't seen, statistically, we haven't seen that pay off yet. He's made some really hard, solid contact in games, but it was a great diving catch by a defender, or he hit it right to somebody. And so defensively, no doubt, one of the most talented catchers in the SEC opposing teams don't even try to run when Nate LaRue is in the game. They respect his ability to call a game, his ability to suppress the running game. Offensively, Auburn's confident that the bat, the, the traditional statistics are going to come around because he's making solid contact with the ball. And every time he gets out, it's almost like it's a new way to get out. He's not making the same mistakes. He's just having some bad luck to start the season. They feel really good that, He's going to carry them. Behind him, you have freshman Ike Irish, who is playing only DH right now because they don't want to take Nate LaRue out of the lineup for any sort of weekend series. So great one-two punch there. Uh, Love those guys. But again, Nate LaRue is the the guy for Auburn behind the dish. They just love his defense, and they think the offense is going to come. Let's talk about the new SEC run rule and how it affects. I know Auburn had a victory over North Alabama to where the run rule was put into effect. But when you're sitting there and you're having an opportunity to play um, and looking close to that run rule, you really have a chance to go down your roster and give some guys some some valuable playing time that normally probably wouldn't see at a particular position. Yeah, and actually, in that Tuesday game, Mobile native uh, Connor Copeland got the start and the win, uh, went three and two-thirds innings with three hits and a run and six strikeouts. Uh, I asked the coaches about the run rule and how they felt about this. You know, what, is this something where you want development time for the players or you like being able to just call the game off and save pitching for the next day, the rest of the series? And they told me that while they would love the ability to throw in some backups in the eighth and ninth inning, you can go back and look at Tuesday's victory over UNA. Auburn goes ahead and subs out the entire outfield uh, in the sixth inning. And so you can still get some play time for some backups. They had a a backup at first base, start the game. They had a backup at second base, start the game. They used a different catcher, gave Nate LaRue the day off. 
So you can still find ways to get guys time, but the bigger thing is you don't have to go deeper and deeper into your bullpen uh, using guys in a blowout. You can save them for the rest of the series. That Sunday game against Indiana that Auburn lost, they ended up throwing six pitchers because they were trying to find somebody who could consistently get out. And if that was game one or game two of a series and you didn't have the run rule in place, it's going to negatively impact you later on in the series. As Butch Thompson always says, we, we develop these guys. We're making these players better, but the goal is to win games. And the run rule ultimately helps us win games by saving the bullpen. One of the questions that a lot of people want to know as well is Bryson Ware. And I know he's a junior college shortstop and what kind of transition or what kind of impact is Bryson Ware going to have on this roster this season? So I actually talked to him today. He's leading the team right now in offense. He's had a fantastic year. He's playing third base. The last two years he's been in the outfield as a defensive replacement. They moved him uh, back to the infield, starter at third base. He's 10 of 15 right now, four doubles, a home run, and five RBIs. Uh, And Really, it's something where he said, I just, I just simplify the approach, and I'm just trying to be an athlete. Uh, do we think he's going to hit 600 the entire season? Like, no, we don't. Even the coaching staff will admit that these statistics aren't probably realistic to go the rest of the season, but he's made significant leaps forward as far as pitch recognition. He used to struggle a lot with sliders uh, coming off the plate and struggle with change-ups. He's done a lot of work in the cages, a lot of work on hitting to fix that. And so far, he's provided, he has a massive arm for third base. Uh, And then, like I said, he's been the most productive hitter on this team. And the thought process is, as long as these offensive changes have stuck, he's a guy that can be a spark plug in the offense. He can hit home runs. He can bunt and get on base. A lot of versatility offensively to do whatever needs to be done. Might not be a superstar. But these are the type of guys you need if you want to win championships, the guys that can get in, do the dirty work, do whatever needs to be done to help the team. We're speaking with Lindsey Crosby, who is a senior baseball writer for the Auburn Daily. And, Lindsey, are there any other series that are going to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that people across the country would want to keep an eye on or are really worth watching? Because I know here locally South Alabama is hosting Nebraska for a four-game series. But when you look at the dominance, again, of the Southeastern Eastern Conference in the preseason polls and now that we're actually playing the continued dominance of the rankings. Who else would you suggest people tune in to watch? There's a lot of interesting SEC versus non-SEC matchups this weekend, right? Old Miss versus Maryland. Uh, Old Miss obviously defending national champions. They're taking on Maryland, who is favored to win the Big Ten. So that's going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's a fantastic matchup. Uh, Number four, Old Miss versus number 13, Maryland. Uh, But after that, you've also got Vanderbilt versus UCLA, something where Vanderbilt went two and one. They beat Oklahoma State. They beat Texas. But then they only went one and one in their midweek. They're playing a UCLA team that came to Auburn last year um, for the regional and ultimately got eliminated by Auburn. Uh, So, you know, both of those. And then Mississippi State versus Arizona State. Uh, again, two top 15 teams, and Mississippi State, a team that has had uh, tons of up and down, ups and downs already. They 
blew a 10-1 lead last Saturday, lost 14-13, to and then won on Sunday, and then got boat raced by UL Monroe 11-5 to on Tuesday. So uh, a lot of interest in that Mississippi State series for Auburn fans because there are already some Mississippi State fans who are asking for head coach Chris, L- Chris Luminous, who brought them a national championship two years ago, they're already asking for him to be dismissed and for Mississippi State to come after Auburn head coach Butch Thompson. So a lot of fans on the Plains are going to be cheering for the Bulldogs this season because they don't want to potentially lose Butch Thompson to Mississippi State. Understood by having someone as solid as Butch Thompson really resurrecting your program there on Plainsman Park. Lindsey Crosby, how can people follow all your coverage of Auburn baseball Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP. Corey Labounty, along with Michael Brauner, behind the glass and running the show, taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And we talked about it in the first hour. The Alabama Crimson Tide finding a way through Brandon Miller to defeat South Carolina last night in overtime 78 to 76 and a career high for Brandon Miller 41 41 points out of Alabama's 78 were scored and that just means that Alabama was able to maintain their one game lead on Texas A&M and it makes for some great Saturday SEC basketball as you have Missouri and Georgia Arkansas and Alabama, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Auburn and Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee, Florida and Vanderbilt and LSU and Ole Miss. Now LSU and Ole Miss, 13 and 15, 10 and 18, not really a game. LSU finding a way to defeat Vanderbilt yesterday and Florida and Vanderbilt playing one another, both of them coming off losses last night in the SEC. But to me, there there are two premium games that I think a lot of people are going to be in front of their television sets watching this coming Saturday, and that's going to be the Auburn-Kentucky matchup on CBS along with the ESPN2 matchup between Arkansas and Alabama. And... I've said this, and I want to continue to say this. Arkansas is scary good. I think that they've underperformed this season at 19-9, and and I think it's been a lot due to health issues for the Arkansas Razorbacks this season. And tomorrow we'll have John Neighbors on to kind of give us a preview of that Arkansas and Alabama game that's going to be played at Coleman Coliseum. But – Again, with all eyes in the entire country on the Alabama Crimson Tide last night, I know Nate Oates had to feel the pressure. I know that Brandon Miller, if he felt the pressure, you couldn't see it because scoring 41 points, a career high, one of the best performances ever by a Crimson Tide basketball player, you just didn't see any missteps by Brandon Miller on the floor yesterday. He just had that Mamba mentality. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, it was just, it, it, 
I can't say enough about his individual performance because, again, like we said, for really one of the first times all year, the rest of the team didn't show up. I mean, obviously, we've spent a lot of time talking about the circumstances surrounding Brandon Miller and Nate Oates and the, the team as a whole, but there really hasn't been a game this season. I, there's a lot of really good players in college basketball, Brandon Miller being one of them, but what's unique about Brandon Miller is that I, I, I think he's in a class of his own and that he's a really good player on a really good team. Like I mean, Purdue, you look at Purdue and like Zach Eady, for example, like there are star players on these good teams, but I think in terms of the championship contenders, Brandon Miller's in a bit of a class of his own. And But all that to be said, he really hasn't had to carry Alabama to victory at all this season like he had to do last night. I mean, you could point to the Gonzaga game. the one Obviously, they lost, but I think it was 190, something like that, uh, where he had 36 points in that one, which was previously his career high. Uh, he he kind of carried a little bit. That night, the defense decided not to show up in Birmingham that day. But there really hasn't been a game that you can point to this season that Alabama has won solely because of Brandon Miller. And that obviously was not... I mean, you brought up Bediaco. Bediaco is good. I think Bediaco is a little bit underrated. Uh, doesn't get all the credit that he deserves. He's, he's a critical piece of this team, both on offense and defense. But... Uh, yeah, Bediaco was, was decent last night, but Sears was bad. Quinterly was bad. Uh, Jaden Bradley was bad. He played like 36 minutes. No no one was good last night. Noah Clowney struggled last night. But Brandon Miller said, "This we're not losing tonight. Uh, t- remove the circumstances. Brandon Miller was not going to let Alabama lose last night, and he didn't. And he absolutely got the business from the South Carolina fans, and I didn't expect anything different besides booze, and they were magnified every time he touched the basketball. And on his first shot attempt that he missed, there was a huge round of cheers and applause for his missed shot. And I tell you, I I just – I wasn't sure how Brandon Miller – was going to respond. I wasn't sure how the Crimson Tide were going to respond, but the Crimson Tide all year long, when you start looking at their overall record at 23-4, and four, when you start having a loss to Gonzaga and you have a loss to Tennessee, um, the, these are, are losses that are against top 15 programs, but they're against teams that you know you're going to have to play better than in the NCAA tournament. Because if you get that one seed, which the Crimson Tide are on pace to do, and play at Legacy Arena in Birmingham, Alabama, in front of a pro-Bama crowd, I think that that can benefit them. But they definitely don't want to slip up here within their last three games. And you look at when they did struggle and they have had losses, why did they lose? It's been because of the guard play not being exactly where it needs to be. And last night, the guard play wasn't stellar, but it was good enough to get him a W. And it didn't have to be a pretty W because Lamont Paris, the head coach of South Carolina, did a phenomenal job having his team prepared. And the crowd 
really added fuel to the fire of Brandon Miller, but he was locked and loaded and ready to go in regards to his mental approach to the game and blocking all the adversity out. Yeah, I mean, Nato said it after the game. Brandon Miller is one of the most mentally tough kids that he's ever been around. So, again, for him to just block everything out, and you heard it from the start, you know, like you said it, uh, they were on him last night. They they were letting him have it pretty much every uh, not pretty much every time he touched the ball. And man, for I mean he he took what twenty five shots, forty one points. It's not like he was chucking up forty shots last night and on forty one points. He was efficient. He was like six of thirteen from from three point land. It, it was just such a such a remarkable performance individually from from Brandon Miller it, it wasn't obviously it wasn't a good performance from from the team as a whole but you know I like to think they'll fix that they'll get it tuned up they'll be ready to go for Arkansas because this team has played their best games of the season coming off of losses yes but more specifically coming off of bat their worst performances of the season is is generally when they've when they've played not I, I don't really think they played that poorly against Tennessee they turned the ball over way too much but obviously uh came and with vengeance the following game uh whereas Oklahoma you know they just got beaten by 24 and, and were bad on both ends and then Vanderbilt was on the receiving end of a 57 point beatdown from there uh so I, I I like to think that Nate Oates will tune some things up and and the team as a whole <laughs> clearly as we've seen brandon miller's gonna be ready to go on saturday uh we'll we'll see what happens with with the rest of the team well nick smith jr is going to be a huge point of emphasis for the crimson tide because he's returning from that injury and he's been about his business since he has returned when he first came back there was a little bit of a struggle for him on the 15th of February, he had no points against Texas A&M. He kind of cranked it up a little bit on Saturday against Florida, had 10, but last night against Georgia went for 26 points, and this is the young freshman for the Razorbacks. And Arkansas is playing good ball. Th th they They're are. dangerous. And, and again, Barry Dunning Jr. on that roster, has really only played in 15 games, only averages three minutes a game. And it's a situation where it's been a learning experience for Barry. Would I love to see Barry on the floor more? Absolutely, I would. Uh, but this has been a growing experience for Barry Dunning Jr., uh, one of the best basketball players if not the best basketball player in the entire state of Alabama a year ago, makes that decision to go play for Coach Musselman and the Razorbacks, and they brought in some other guys, and they had a few people in front of them. So I think that Barry is just one of those outstanding young men. The when, when his name is called and when it is his turn, he's going to take full advantage of his opportunity to play for the Razorbacks and get major minutes. But the Crimson Tide will definitely have their hands full as they're approaching and playing against the Arkansas Razorbacks coming in to Coleman Coliseum with an 8-7 and seven conference record, 19-9 and nine overall, knowing that if they want to make the NCAA tournament and get off the bubble, they need to have a big resume win over the Alabama Crimson Tide. 
You're listening to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner taking your phone calls, 251-694-1055. Hey, this is Coach Tommy Coverville, and you're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Bronner. Taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055, or you can hit us up in the app, and we'll definitely make sure that we respond to you. And, you know, with the NFL Combines coming up, you, you have to be excited about every all the players that participated in the Reese's Senior Bowl and them having an opportunity to showcase their skills in front of NFL executives this week to where a lot of money can be made. And if you're able to run that 40 or if you're able to show that you have elite strength and speed, it's definitely an opportunity for you to go ahead and increase your status. And we'll continue to talk about the NFL draft combine next week as it will be coming up and, you know, Michael, Aaron Rodgers has been one of those guys to where Green Bay Packer legend. Do I think he's the GOAT? No. A lot of people love the fact that Aaron Rodgers has been a proven winner, and he's one of those guys to where either you love him or you hate him, one of the two. I don't think there's any in between, but he he went into his hole this past week. <laughs> Yeah, my and next question was when is when is uh, your darkness retreat? It, it, darkness retreat? You know, I I think I'm gonna try to avoid that because I, I I don't think it really me I got, personally. I got mine next weekend. It, so so you're gonna take yours next weekend. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers decide to surface and come out of his darkness and his hole. Where do we think Aaron Rodgers is gonna land? Is he gonna decide to say I'm calling it quits? Does he go ahead and say, well, I'll give the Jets a try? With NFL free agency, he's definitely going to be able to to kind of pick his own poison, and he's earned the right to say whether he wants to hang it up or he whether wants to continue to play to try to win a Super Bowl, uh, another Super Bowl ring for himself. But I don't know. What are your thoughts about Aaron Rodgers and, and where you think he's going to land? Hmm. Well... So he's a tough guy to predict. Uh, he's as as he's he himself has said. Uh, Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter and whoever else doesn't know uh, expletive when it when it comes to what he's gonna do. Uh, so any report you hear about him until it actually happens, you know, just take it with a grain of salt because because you really just don't know. So he is like you said, he is. Out of the darkness now. I I don't know uh, how much that solves for him. I I think probably more so than anything, he was trying to answer the question for himself if he wants to keep playing. Because we've talked about this. I I think Aaron Rodgers doesn't need football as much as a lot of these other guys do, just in terms of that mental... Like we said, like of course, he's a professional athlete. There's a hyper-competitive drive within him. But is he 
the psycho level of of Tom Brady with that need for success and and to be on a football field and he's going to go crazy without it. No, Aaron Rodgers will be fine once he once he's done with football. He, I think he just has uh, he just he just isn't wired that way for whatever reason. In terms of what I think he's going to do, <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. I, what makes the most sense for him to do? Might just be to retire. Honestly, I mean the Packers were not good this year, and and he was a big reason for that. It, 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 you you want to blame their team building and and the offense they put around him? Fine, but I mean I I, I look to that Titans game on it was either Monday night or Thursday night football. It was one of the primetime games where they they lost to Tennessee at home in prime time uh, where they were favored in that game. And I, I Rodgers is just missing open receivers with time in the pocket, just sailing passes, and, and just looking not like himself this season. And, of course, like we said, like I just said, there were issues on that offense, but Aaron Rodgers also was not good this season. At times he was bad. And so I, I don't think he's washed up. I think he still has good football left if he wants to play it. I don't know if that's in Green Bay. I don't know if it's in New York. I don't know if it's in Las Vegas or wherever else. Uh, I, I He's just a hard guy to figure out, man. Well, I just know that if his time in Green Bay is done, so be it. Uh, you know, the free agency frenzy on quarterbacks is going to be huge. I think the next question outside of Aaron Rodgers is, okay, well, what do you want to do with Lamar Jackson and Baltimore with them redoing their offensive and having a new offensive coordinator? Does he go ahead from a franchise tag? Does he get the exclusive tag? Does he get the non-exclusive tag? Of course, the exclusive tag is where players can't negotiate with other teams. That's if the Baltimore Ravens want to pop him with the exclusive tag, a value of a one-year deal based on the average of the top five salaries at his position. A non-exclusive tag, players can negotiate with other teams, and a tagging team has the option to match the offer sheet or receive two first-round picks if they decline. So I think the biggest question is, what is going to happen with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Will he decide to sit out an entire year and wait? Or will they go ahead and pay the man and him be a Baltimore Raven moving forward? It's another tough one to predict because Lamar doesn't have an agent. It's himself and uh, and his mother doing these doing these negotiations. So it's it's another one where I, I think he's kind of just walking in there and saying, I want what Deshaun Watson got. And if you're the Ravens, you're going to say, hell no. You're not just going to hand him that. This is Lamar Jackson, when he's healthy and on the field, he's pretty phenomenal. But this is now two seasons in a row. He hasn't finished the season healthy. And the Ravens haven't had a lot of playoff success with him at all. So I, I just don't see how you commit all that guaranteed money to Lamar Jackson. I mean, I, I franchise tag, sure. It's just. The fact that he doesn't have an agent makes this another impossible situation to predict. I, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if Lamar Jackson ends up getting traded this offseason. Are you? No, I won't be surprised. I want him to stay with Baltimore. 
I would love to see him have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl with the purple and black of the Baltimore Ravens. But that's a franchise that I, I think that with their head coach has kind of run its course. And in, until they decide to make a, a change there, I think Lamar will already be gone. Now, you mentioned Deshaun Watson signing that five-year deal, $230 million, including a $44 million signing bonus, an annual average salary, salary of 46 mil, Deshaun Watson. You can't – you actually think that Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson? Um, Yeah, yeah, I do think that Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Uh, I, I, how do you equate him being a better do, – do you think it's because of – I mean, he's with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. The Browns, What even if Deshaun would not have been suspended, what, what have the Browns won? What has Deshaun won? At least Lamar can sit there and say he's got some things done in postseason play. Uh, Deshaun, uh, Deshaun won a playoff game and was up, what, 24 nothing against Kansas City in, in uh, Bill O'Brien's last year in, in, in Houston? I mean – I mean, then kind of sat out for for two years. Obviously, there's other reasons for that, and for the for the context of this conversation, I I don't want to. Uh, we're not debating who the better person is. Because uh, if we were debating that, yes, I would I would agree with you that Lamar Jackson. But I I think Deshaun Watson is the better quarterback. I think Deshaun Watson before all of this happened with him, and he was he was out for two years. Deshaun Watson was a bona fide top five quarterback in the NFL. And the last season he played, yeah, the Texans were horrendous. They were one of the worst teams in the league. They won, what, four games? And it was kind of a wasted season for his career. And I don't blame him for sitting uh, for demanding a trade to the point he was willing to sit out. Obviously, other allegations came to light, and he wasn't able to, to play even if he wanted to uh, for, for good reason. And then he, he's traded to the Browns. So, uh, jury's still out on uh, Watson status as you know top five top 10 quarterback whatever you want to say let's give him a full year in Cleveland before judging that because I mean what do you he came back week 13 in the middle of a team that's pretty much already eliminated from the playoffs he hasn't played football in two years I, I'm gonna give him a pass for being pretty supremely average the last five games of this season but if he's not good this year then all right we'll have a conversation there but no, I mean, I, I think Watson at his best versus Lamar at his best, I, I think Watson is the better quarterback, yes. Without a doubt, the better passer of the football. That's I don't even think that's a debate. Well, I, I think that when you start looking at the regular season that Lamar Jackson had, again, only throwing 17 touchdowns and seven interceptions, the versatility that he brings, the new offensive coordinator in Baltimore, I, I think that that that's one of the situations to where you have to look at is is Lamar Jackson going to be a good fit for this new offensive coordinator and if he's not then I think that he will be willing to go ahead and sit because again I just mentioned the fact about the exclusive tag and the non-exclusive tag and will anybody decide to match that and what his contract will be worth and you know with him not having an agent I, I don't know that – do you have to be an agent to, to to get the numbers right to know what your worth is? 
I, I don't think that you have to have an agent to tell you what your worth is. Yeah. And that's that's a situation that Lamar, whether it's him and his mom or his mom representing him, I you know, an agent is going to an agent's going to take a percentage of what you make. Yeah. And if you're smart enough to sit there and know what your value is and somebody to be willing to pay you for that value, then so be it. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you there, and certainly he's eventually when he does get paid, whether it's by Baltimore or someone else, because he is going to get paid by someone, uh, he's going to save himself a lot of money by not having an agent, whether uh, the difference in what the final contract is uh, makes it worth it by the fact that he didn't hire an agent, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I'm, you know, these agents are lawyers. I'm not a lawyer, so I, I don't know exactly what the numbers work out to. But my understanding is that he's demanding essentially what Watson got, and uh, he's he's not going to get it. He, he he's simply not going to going to get it from Baltimore. Just he hasn't finished the last two seasons. He hasn't been able to stay on the field, and that's not. I'm not even speaking about his ability as a quarterback. I'm the best ability is availability, and Lamar Jackson the past two the end of the past two seasons has not been available. So I, I just don't see how you'd give him $200 million in guaranteed money. I don't know if there's going to be guaranteed money for Lamar Jackson, but one thing that is guaranteed, if he's on the sideline sitting out, we're missing an opportunity to see some great and elite football. If Aaron Rodgers decides to go ahead and retire, then we've already seen the best that Aaron Rodgers has had to offer and. Will he go to the Jets? Will he stay with the Packers? Will he retire? We'll find out here coming up here in the next couple of weeks for sure. You're listening to the final drive on WNSP 105.5 with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner. This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Brauner, taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. Or you can reach out to us on the app, and we'll get right back to you if you do leave us a comment in the app. And we were talking about getting ready for the third hour of the final drive, which consists of the Titan Tiger Report, and we'll have Joe Gaither, host of the Cup of Joe on Tide 100.9, along with Brian Stoltz. He's a staff writer for the Auburn Rivals, and we'll get an opportunity to, to talk about the Crimson Tide football staff and the changes that are being made, along with about this stretch run of the Alabama men's basketball team. Again, mentioning they have the Arkansas Razorbacks coming into Coleman Coliseum this coming Saturday. And for Auburn, they're going to be playing the Kentucky Wildcats. So we'll definitely touch on and go into a little bit more in depth about the matchups and what has to take place for the Alabama Crimson Tide to, to come away with the win. And again, with that win last night, 78-76 in overtime over the South Carolina Gamecocks, it went from a half a game when we began the night to getting back to that full game. And 
here in the last game of the regular season, the Crimson Tide will still take on Texas A&M, and that's probably going to decide who wins the regular season. No doubt. Yeah, it's it's going to be for the SEC regular season title. By the way, we didn't talk about this much, but they're about an inch away from uh, losing on a half-court buzzer beater with .9 seconds there at the end of the game. So, uh, you know, the, uh, South Carolina hit a half-court buzzer beater at the end of the first half. They almost hit a second there at the end. It'll be interesting, and we'll dive into it a little bit deep, deeper for sure in our next hour. Again, Joe Gaither joining us on the final drive for the Tide and Tiger Report. He's the host of A Cup of Joe. Tied 100.9, and we'll also talk to Brian Stoltz, staff writer of Auburn Rivals, to break down some of the things that are going on in, on the Plains. want to thank Chuck Taylor and Lindsey Crosby for joining us during the first couple of hours here on the final drive. Hope everyone is having a safe final drive on this beautiful Thursday afternoon here in Mobile, Alabama. The Tide and Tiger Report on 105.5 FM and online at WNSP.com. It's all Auburn and Alabama sports. Brought to you by State Farm Agent Heath Parker. Welcome to the Tide and Tiger Report on the final drive here on WNSP. And, of course, the Tide and Tigers both having hoops going on last night. Alabama wins in dramatic fashion, 78-76 to 76 in overtime with Brandon Miller scoring a career-high 41 points. And the Auburn Tigers, they're victorious at Neville Arena as the jungle was rocking as they win 78-74. to 74. And Janai Broom with 19 points and 8 rebounds helping the Auburn Tigers to continue to stay in the SEC race for a possible first-round tournament double bye. And with it being the Tide and Tiger report, of course, the last 48 hours, Alabama has been really the scene and really all eyes have been on Tuscaloosa, Alabama in regards to the news that has come out with Nate Oates's post-game practice news conference and of course him making statements that were considered very insensitive to the murder victim and her family Jamia Harris a mother is dead and you can't take away from that that in this whole tragedy with Darius Miles and Michael Davis being accu accused of Jamia Harris's murder I think that what happens is with Brandon Miller playing last night and Nate Oates taking no corrective action, that has kind of stirred or created a lot of controversy across the country in a lot of people's eyes as to what the discipline should have been taken against Brandon Miller. 
And to talk about that is host of a cup of Joe on Tide 100.9, Joe Gaither. And I know, Joe, you being an Alabama guy, you've probably been in tune like the rest of us, just trying to see and make heads or tails about how long has the information been known? Who has it been known by? And why in the world would Nate Oates even answer a question, a legal question at that in his press conference? Well, Corey, first off, thanks for having me. And I really appreciate uh, you just being down in, uh, in Mobile today with you guys. And, and yes, it's been a whole whirlwind of a 48 hours following the press conferences, the, the bond hearing, um, and, and then the subsequent game last night that followed and uh, Coach Oates' press conference after the game. So it's been a, it's been quite a ride. And, and really, and truly, Corey, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think the, a lot of the fault at the current moment lies at the Alabama administration uh, as far as how the optics have been presented, you, you, you talk about uh, Nate Oates answering a legal question. You're exactly right. There's no reason for him to uh, comment on it, especially uh, since the here, since the, the bond hearing and, and Nate Oates' uh, post-practice pre-game press conference was uh, was happening simultaneously, almost simultaneously. And so uh, Nate Oates was was getting a question based off third-party uh, third third-party information is no cellular devices, no, no devices were allowed in the courtroom, so you're having reporters step out of the courtroom to find their phones and type said quotes up, uh, and he's getting asked about that, and really, really, he should have said, well, you know, when this hearing is concluded, we'll have a, a complete statement, or, or, or um, the, the athletic department should have said, we're going to postpone our press conference for two hours, three hours, however long, until they had the, the hearing was complete and all the details uh, were in. Really, I think they did a poor job handling uh, the press firestorm and and, and, and subsequently I, I think that uh, Brandon Miller's lawyer put out a, a beautiful and a, a detailed statement yesterday but honestly Corey is 24 hours past time uh, and, and, and therefore you let the media you let the outrage mob go 24 hours of just speculating maybe he knew this maybe he knew that maybe he was in on it maybe this maybe that uh, and so you let, you let 24 hours go of just people saying whatever they want to say uh, without kind of revealing the details. And, and um, the sad part about this is to me is that I think that the administration and the powers that be behind have had about four or five weeks to uh, to prepare for this day or, or two days ago, but excuse me, uh, and really looked like they uh, it really came off as an unprepared uh, unprepared look from from, from the uh, public relations standpoint. It was a, a terrible, terrible mistake by Nate Oates to go ahead and answer that question. And again, I, I said it yesterday, and I'm going to say it again. The best analogy I can use is once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't push it back into it and go back on it, and it's already out there. And when you have to have a recant or, or make a follow-up on your comments, you know, that, that, ingenuous. And, and that, that makes it tough because – I think that once Coach Oates realized what had been said and what he did say, he was just – if nobody would have questioned about it and there not have been that type of firestorm, he would not have come out with that second comment. But 
because again we're talking about a murder that occurred um and one of his players that is being charged with murder and that being Darius my one of the former players being charged with murder again you're innocent until proven guilty in a court of law and I understand that and I think that that is the approach that a lot of people have taken with Brandon Miller, including Alabama's administration, president, AD, and head coach, until detectives tell us that Brandon Miller did something wrong then and violated a law. We're going to continue to let Brandon Miller put on an Alabama uniform, and you're going to continue to see the best college basketball player in America, number 24 in crimson and white, continue to do what he did last night, which is score 41 points. Hmm. Well, Corey, when you have video evidence on your side, and that's uh, apparently what he has on his side, and, and has, uh, you know, it, it has strong character, he told the, the, the truth to authorities about what, what, what happened that night, at least according to his perspective. I think that you really have to ask yourself, the, the people who have been questioning uh, Brandon Miller's playing status, you have to ask yourself, well, are you really trusting the, the, the violent crimes unit, the investigators, the detectives, the district attorney? Because they said out in, their, in, the, in, the, uh, in the hearing on, tu- on Tuesday that they, there was nothing legally that they could charge Brandon with. I, I, don't, I, I don't know, and maybe I'm naive, uh, but, but I, don't, I don't think that you're playing any, uh, any favoritism during capital murder charges. Charges. As you started your, your your segment, Corey, our thoughts are with Jamia Harris, and it, the, the main point is that there is a woman dead and, and, and a mother dead, and so uh, you don't want to uh, discount any justice that, that, that may be had, no matter how special uh, Brandon Miller is, and I think you saw exactly how special he, he was last night. I mean, goodness gracious, uh, at what point in South Carolina are you going to double-team a guy at, on the last possession or something? But, but it, uh, with all that being said, I feel confident in in Brandon Miller still playing for the tie, considering the uh, the law enforcement has had all information, has been digging in, in, into the situation for four or five weeks, and, and if, if he's not been charged, um, then, then I think that that, that that makes for a great sign and shows that his and it shows his innocence in this matter. Joe, you said something uh, in your earlier answer that stuck out to me. It, it was really a 24-hour period of. And and still is ongoing of, of people saying whatever they want. I mean, Out Outkick published something today. Uh, that's uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll get into that because we haven't talked about it at all. Uh, they published something today. If, for those of you listening who hadn't seen or heard that, that Brandon Miller's gun was was used in the strategy. Just a reckless disregard for the truth uh, from. Clay Travis's news source, Outkick, and eventually they were bullied into deleting it by Alabama fans. But have have you ever seen such a firestorm like this, where people are just literally saying whatever they want? Mm, uh, the only thing that I can can it doesn't. Uh, Greg Schiano getting hired by Tennessee and then fired uh, yeah. a couple a couple years ago because of the social media outrage of the Tennessee fans not wanting him. Kind of reminds me of that a little bit, but but not, not but that, it's not a that's not a good example. That's a terrible example, really. Um, so so no, I can't I, I can't I can't think of anything that 
remotely equal to because I, you know you, you can't, I can't decide whether people are genu- can genuinely think that uh, Nate Oates and, and Greg Byrne uh, would allow would, would allow an athlete to continue to play for the Crimson Tide uh, if they were the subject of uh, of a murder investigation, a capital murder investigation. Now, do, do you? If they think that, then you think so low of the Alabama program, the University of Alabama, or sports in general, college sports. What does that say for our society? I don't, I don't understand. Or the people who are just choosing not to thoroughly educate themselves on, okay, these statements are being made. This is the defense. This is the prosecution. These are. They're just choosing not to read certain things. Clay uh, Travis. I mean, that's what he does. He's just going to flame the. He's just going to fan the flames of. Uh, uh, fan the flames of content and, and, and really just use whatever he wants to, to continue to get clicks. I mean, you saw last night, what was his tweet? Killer performance from Brandon Miller. And this is a guy who's been uh, really condemning Brandon Miller for the last uh, 24 hours. And then you want to make a joke about his 41 points? Come on, uh, Clay, which side, which side are we on? Are we are we treating the victim seriously and treating the situation seriously? Or are we going to make jokes? Because, I mean, I, Michael, you know me. I can do whichever side you want to do. Uh, it's, it's just it's just an ugly look from people who claim to be media. Uh, I mean, you've seen the Alabama media group. You've seen Carol Robinson's piece. She writes a piece and then goes on Paul Feinbaum and, and basically tells uh, a 180 story. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, I don't mean to pat ourselves on the back, but our local media here, Stephen Dethridge with Tuscaloosa Threat and Ryan Phillips with the uh, Tuscaloosa Patch, those two guys nailed everything that happened. They had all the information, no conjecture, no you know opinions. It was A plus B equals C, and here's what happened. Uh, and, and so really, it, it's kind of a lesson. It's kind of a lesson in sports media, or a lesson in, in consumerism, in, in who to choose to read and really who has all the facts and what are they trying to sell you. Joe Gaither joining us here on the Tiger and Tiger Report on the final drive. He is the program director and the host of Cup of Joe that you can listen to Monday through Friday at Tide 100.9. And Joe, looking past Brandon Miller's superlative performance last night, one of the best that I've ever seen in a Crimson Tide uniform. Throughout my history of watching Alabama Crimson Tide, of course, Alabama comes away with a 78-76 win in overtime against a 10-18 and South Carolina squad that really had a chance to win it and have one of the shots of the year, win an ESPY award for shot of the year at the buzzer. That goes off the back of the rim. But putting that game behind you, coming back home to Tuscaloosa on Saturday, sometimes when you're on the road, there are less distractions, but coming back home for the Alabama Crimson Tide and finishing up the way that they're going to have to finish up, you look at them having Arkansas and, of course, Auburn at home on this next Wednesday and then go on the road to probably finish out the SEC regular season championship against Texas A&M. Is it better to be at home for a week or be on the road? Well, for Alabama, it's better to be at home. I mean, their scores at home have been astronomical, especially here in the SEC play. Uh, and then, of course, coming up this Saturday at one o'clock, it's going to be it's going to be a battle in Coleman Coliseum. I think Arkansas is really starting to find their 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 stride and starting to play like the top ten t- t- talent 
talented team with Nick Smith coming back in uh, that they were expected to be going into the season. Obviously, that didn't really turn out to be uh, the, the way that they performed. But the last couple of weeks, they played some really good basketball. Uh, they couldn't, unfortunately for Alabama, beat Texas A&M a week or so ago. So Alabama has a really tough three-game schedule to, to, to close out the season. Uh, with all the controversy surrounding the team, you <laughs> you don't get any breaks on the court. Arkansas is still bringing it. We're going to be looking to avenge a loss in their home arena. So, is, so will Auburn. And then, as you said, going out to A&M, a place that NATO has not won, uh, not, not won during his time as a head coach of the Crimson Tide, that probably will come down to the for the SEC championship. And, and Corey, you know, you watch Texas A&M, you can't you can't decide if they're actually good or not, or if they're just really well coached and they play really tough. And ultimately, it doesn't matter because when it comes down to one game, Buzz Williams and his team, they're going to be they're going to be ready to play their tails off. Uh, and, and I think that that makes me really nervous and really concerned as an Alabama follower because with how strong Alabama's been so far this season, you would have expected the SEC title to be kind of locked up and done, but with three games left in the season, uh, it's anything but that. One of the things that have been overlooked with the basketball <laughs> has been football. And Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report here on the final drive on WNSP. Corey Labounty, along with Michael Brauner taking your phone calls at 251-694-1055. And as we're talking Tigers, none better than Brian Stoltz. He is a staff writer at Auburn Rivals, and the Auburn Tigers were able to have a big-time win and keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive with a 78-74 win over the Ole Miss Rebels last night at the Jungle in Neville Arena. Good evening, Brian, and welcome to the Tide and Tiger Report. Hey, guys. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Well, last night, the Auburn Tigers were able to, again, mm -hmm. find a way down the stretch. They tried to give this game away against Ole Miss right and in. give Ole Miss life. But at the end of the day, they did find a way to get that W and stay alive for their NCAA tournament hopes because Coach Pearl has mentioned that every game, especially going back to the Missouri game a couple of games ago, was a must-win. They lose on the road yeah. to Vanderbilt, but they come back home and are able to have a huge win last night. Yeah, I mean, uh, when he had to, Wendell Green really stepped up last night against Ole Miss. He had a really bad game against Vanderbilt in the loss. I mean, shot two of 14, but uh, – he showed up why he showed why he's one, uh, the best point guard out there for Auburn right now. And, uh, you know, he had a big game. Tonight had a big game. Alan Flanagan's got a little hop in his step right now. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a big win. If they would have lost that, their tournament host would have been dashed. But uh, they can pull out one of these last three uh, at Kentucky on Saturday, which I'm in Lexington right now. Uh, one of the game on Saturday to uh, with my dad and my rest of my family who are actually Kentucky alums. So it's going to be rough for me. But, uh um, yeah, if they can sneak one of these out, I, I, I expect Tennessee would be the best chance because I don't see them beating Alabama at Alabama. But uh, I think you know either at Kentucky or at Tennessee would we'll seal the deal and get them in uh, the NCAA tournament. 
The Auburn Tigers, nine and six in Southeastern Conference, play five games back of Alabama. And the great thing for the scheduling gurus at Auburn is in front of you is sitting games with Alabama, who is leading the SEC, games with uh, Kentucky, who is in currently in third place. So you have opportunities to gain ground and possibly, if you're able to win two out of the next three, get a double bye in the SEC tournament. And that would be huge for this team. A double bye is always helpful. It gives you an extra day of rest that gives you extra day to, you know, kind of prepare for your opponent. But, um, yeah, that would be huge for this team, especially how they've struggled, you know, down in the last month or so. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that, that 2019 Final fourteen wasn't anything special to speak about until the start of March. Start of March. So the only thing they really need to do is get some scoring for the two and three positions, uh, either from Katie Johnson or Zeb Jasper a little bit and uh, maybe some Leo Berman in there. But, if they can get some scoring for the two spot, uh, it'd be very tough to be in the last three games, except maybe Alabama. Tonight, Broom continues to be that steady double-double machine for the our Auburn Tigers. He has 19 points and eight rebounds, and he's just been that steady performer. And you mentioned Wendell Green Jr., the, a little spark plug, and has been that way the last couple of years for Auburn. Yeah. But what else is it going to take for Auburn to go ahead, like you mentioned, Zasper, Oh, excuse me, Jasper playing 20 minutes but only having five mm-hmm. points only took two yeah. shots. Yeah, uh, he, he he needs to shoot it more. He has a good shot. I think he's he, he said he's hesitant at first to shoot the ball because he's a point guard first. Uh, but if he can get some open looks, he should definitely take him because when he has them, he can knock it down most of the time and uh, just get some production from Katie Johnson, you know, uh, no turnovers, some assists, some baskets from him. Uh, some drives, get some fouls called and go to free throw line. That would be huge for this team because, uh, you know, Wendell and Janai and Allen and uh, Jalen Williams are going to be there most nights. But it's the Katie, it's the Leor, it's the uh, Zepp, uh, the Chris Moores that are uh, uh, make a bigger difference when they're on and uh, playing well. Well, Auburn, again, playing great basketball down the stretch is what's going to be important. Three huge games in front of them. Back-to-back Saturday games against Tennessee and Kentucky. You mentioned you being in Lexington. Kentucky's playing some of their best basketball at 10-5 and right now, 19-9 and overall. And that's scary when John Calipari starts playing his best basketball toward the latter part of February and early March. I think they're playing great basketball right now. Oscar Deshubwe has definitely come along. Uh, he struggled earlier in the season. Uh, but, you know, they, they have a couple of players hurt right now. They have uh, Wheeler's hurt and another guy. But um, So they only played, I think, five guys total in the second half last night in the win against Florida. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Deshubwe, it's always hard to win a rough. I mean, Auburn's history at rough is uh, basically non-existent. They haven't won there since 1988. But, uh, you know, uh, this team, maybe they can pull something off. Uh, it's going to be a big matchup between Broom and Carwell against the Shibway. And if I uh, can get the energy a little bit out of the rough arena and take the crowd out of it, which, you know, they, they've been known to do because they're so used to winning big time, uh, you know, Auburn could actually pull the upset. We're talking to Brian Stoltz, Auburn Rivals. Brian, uh, something you said a minute ago, 
that 2019 team wasn't anything special until we got to March. College basketball is is funny like that, isn't it? I mean, this yeah. year this year's a, a really good example of it. I think there's some good teams, but I, I think the general consensus is there's not really any great every every i mean take alabama alabama even for example yeah. uh they've had terrible slip-ups where, where they've looked like they could get beaten in the first or second round in the tournament so exactly. what what do you think it is about college basketball that's so like you know a six seed can make a run to the final four what, what is it about college basketball that uh you know the regular season ultimately just alabama's a good example they they haven't accomplished anything that's going to guarantee them uh a good run in March. I think nowadays these kids, these kids that are playing at you know TCU at Northern Iowa at I'm not going to use Gonzaga because they're kind powerhouse now, but St. Mary's they're not they're not afraid of the big dogs. They're, when they face Kentucky, they face Duke, they face North Carolina, they face Kansas. They're not backing down because these kids probably played on the same AAU tours or Nike tours with some of these kids. They probably visited the campuses, uh, and it's not like uh, these players are just uh, idols like they were maybe back in the 80s and 90s with, you know, the Big East and stuff like that. These programs are, you know, these programs are not feared anymore, I would say. And that's what puts confidence in if a team gets hot, like you say, a six or seven seed uh, gets hot, you know, they start believing and it seems like everything starts going in. And, you know, that's what, why March Madness is probably the best tournament in, in sports, for, in my opinion, anyway. Johnny Harris and the Auburn Lady Tigers are four and ten in the SEC, fourteen and twelve overall. They still have over a five hundred record, and again, that's great in Coach Harris's second year. And they've had some big wins this year so far, but they just want to continue to improve too and just try to catch up with the South Carolina and the LSU Lady Tigers and the Tennessee Lady Volunteers. Well, the catch-up with the South Carolina is going to take a long time because that team is one of the most dominant college basketball teams I've seen in quite a while. But, yeah, I mean, Coach Harris is doing a great job. I think he's she's building the program uh, from the ground up, which is hard to do. But Bruce, you know, Bruce Pearl had to do that. And kind of, you know, Hugh Freeze has to do that with football right now. But in the transfer portal, it's kind of, it's kind of easier with, with that. But, you know, I think she's doing a good job. She's getting some uh, interest from uh, students and fans. And, you know, they can – they, they – took Tennessee to the wire in Knoxville last weekend, and uh, they're just playing much better basketball than they have in the past. And uh, I think she'll have them competing for, you know, a bye or maybe an SEC tournament championship in the next three, four years. Well, we've also seen that a tournament or a three-game series was moved for the yeah. Auburn baseball program. And, you know, kudos to the Auburn Tigers and – USC Trojans for figuring that one out on a way not to postpone or cancel a series that was supposed to be taking place in Southern California but was not able to be played due to the weather in Southern California. And they are going to have a three-game series yeah. at Plainsman Park. And that's huge for this program. I mean, Bush Thompson has that program running like a nice engine. I mean, to get this home game, get the home series against – I would say one of the top powerhouses in all college football history, on college baseball history. I think it's huge for this program. I think, you know, they're building off the run of the College World Series last year. They like what they have seen so far from their players. And, uh, you know, uh, it'll be a big weekend on uh, 
on the campus. So uh, I wish I was there, but I'm going to be in Lexington covering this game. So uh, I'm going to miss that one. And as always, Auburn football and what Hugh Freeze has been able to accomplish. We talked earlier in the hour about A-Day being right around Mm -hmm. the corner for a lot of schools and A-Day practice or really spring practice getting started here in a couple of weeks for all teams. When Do you know when Auburn officially starts their spring practice? And, of course, with Hugh Freeze taking over, there'll be a lot of new energy and excitement bouncing around. You're not. You're going to be shocked, but they start football practice on Monday. There it is, February February 27th. So uh, it's here. I mean, it's here, and the Hugh Freeze era is here, which uh, I think everyone is excited about after two down years under Brian Harson. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be energy packed. He's going to work them hard to see who he can trust, who he can't trust. Uh, you know, I think every competition is open under his eyes and his uh, coach's eyes because they don't really have a history with any of these players. And I think it's going to be a great camp for these guys. And eight is going to be huge because uh, you got eight, you got the eight day game at one o'clock and then Auburn baseball is hosting Texas A&M at four and they're unveiling the Frank Thomas statue and stuff like that. So it's going to be a big day on the plane. Well, that's why we get Brian Stoltz on for those kinds of scoops like that. A spring practice Absolutely. starts on Monday. Yeah. Well, that's Absolutely. In, that, that's what's important because a lot of people are waiting to see one of the biggest stories coming out of Auburn has been definitely the lack of offensive line play. And yeah. I think the second story is, okay, we have a new a quarterback guru as our head coach and an offensive guy who really, really brings a lot of excitement and a lot of trick plays into the system. But – the quarterback battle and the offensive line battle, I think to me, on the offensive side of the ball is where the Auburn Tigers really have to make the greatest improvement. Yeah, and they signed uh, eight new offensive tackles, whether grads, I mean, transfer portal or uh, in the recruiting. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be the competition to watch out for all season because, as you know, the offensive line has been quite atrocious in the last few years for Auburn, and that's just not Auburn football. And, uh, you know, if, if he, he, he still believes that he can work with uh, Robbie Ashford and uh, make him a great quarterback, kind of like uh, he did with Malik Willis. But it also helps having his, his real quarterback guru, uh, Ken Austin, come, who came from Liberty with him, and then also Philip Montgomery working with uh, Ashford or whoever Holden. And if they get one out of the portal, I think uh, that's good development for the quarterback. I think uh, we'll see a very improved quarterback play in, in 2023. In 2023, Auburn opens up against UMass and then travels to the left coast to play California and then hosts Samford before jumping in to SEC play at College Station against Texas A&M. And to the traditionalist, early in the schedule, the second SEC game, it just started last year early, the Auburn Tigers will play Georgia early in the yeah. year and that's something that I know a lot of people have to look at their calendars and try to say wow I I, I don't want to miss this game because it's a Jordan Hare Stadium against the defending national champions yeah it's been uh, it's been a couple of years since uh, they changed it to where it was in the uh, amen corner at the end of the season with Georgia and Alabama uh, in two or three weeks but I, I think I think that's good for the schedule I think that, uh, playing the two top powers throughout the last three weeks of the season was especially when it's, they're both on the road in those odd years, 
uh, is uh, very uh, intimidating, very uh, complex, and very, um, you know, it doesn't get much harder than that in the SEC or the country to face those two teams in two, three weeks. So um, I think having Georgia early on the schedule uh, can be beneficial, but, you know, Georgia's kind of dominated that series lately, and um, it's up to Hugh and his coaching staff to put a stop to that. The 8A game for Auburn scheduled for April 8th in Jordan-Harris Stadium. And I think they'll take some time off in between when they get to start it in March and spring break and all those type of issues that sometimes college coaches have to deal with. But, again, April 8th, you mentioned this coming Monday. The guys have to be ready. I know that the coach – Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. want to thank all of today's guests. Chuck Taylor, the head coach for Coastal Alabama North men's basketball team, joined us along with Lindsey Crosby. He's a senior baseball writer for the Auburn Daily. Joe Gaither, host of Couple Joe, joined us to talk during the Tide and Tigers segment along with Brian Stoltz, who you just heard from. He's a staff writer for the Auburn Rivals. And again, the Alabama Crimson Tide men's basketball team take on the Arkansas Razorbacks this Saturday and Auburn doesn't get any easier for them. They're traveling to historic Rupp Arena and playing the Kentucky Wildcats so we'll have an outstanding weekend of SEC hoops and of course on about a week we'll have Alabama and Auburn men's basketball getting after one another as well as that game will be played at Coleman Coliseum, Mike. So a lot part two, man. It it will be part two. And it was a great game. The first time that they played in the jungle sec game day was there. So we'll have another great game between Alabama and Auburn coming up next week. Thank everybody for tuning in to the final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner. The sports prep spotlight coming up next here on WNSP 105.5.